are listening to Ya But, recorded at Crescent Lounge in Seattle, Washington. And here's your host, Vivian Gabor. I can also point you towards some reasons by put very nice headphones. <laughs> hey everyone, welcome to Yeah But the Podcast. My name is Vivian Gabor, I'm your host, and in the bar today we have my good friend Kim Douthit. Hello. She does work with the Horror Honeys, and she's a uh, children's theater director oh, yeah. and teaching artist and a paranormal investigator. All the and above. Pretty much just a renaissance person of everything. So <laughs> Renaissance weirdo. That is my yes. official title. Ooh. Ooh, I love that. Especially <laughs> when you wear a renaissance outfit for your renaissance weirdoness. Yes. <laughs> I like that. I'm going to start doing that in everyday life. <laughs> Can you please? <laughs> I'll take pictures. <laughs> I, I've been talking a lot recently with, with a couple of my friends about how I would do like renaissance and medieval drag if Ooh. i had the money for those costumes because oh, they're Cause i wouldn't want to yeah i wouldn't want to like half-ass it i'd want to yeah. like have like the real materials and velvet yeah. everywhere and pearls dripping off of things and but elizabethan have, collars and i have friends who do a lot of the the renaissance the renaissance fair scene oh my god i love it it's an intense scene i had no idea uh but they i mean they make their own outfits and they'll kind of like troll fabric sales and stuff oh to yeah. put together things. Uh, but if you're good with sewing, you can actually yep. do it for cheaper than you think. Yeah. I just I also say this to someone not good like at sewing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not good at sewing. I mean, I'm, I'm relatively good at sewing. I'm better with stretch materials. Mm, yeah. And so it's, it'll be a steep learning curve when right. I get to that point. Also learning how to make corsets and such. And oh, I'm good at hand sewing. Um, <coughs> yes. I'm good at, at, like, I make, I mean, I'm a, I'm a stupid crafter. I add that to my Renaissance weirdness. Uh, I like making, like, Christmas ornaments and stitching stuff yes. and cute little felt things, like tiny little felt, you know, slasher villains as Christmas ornaments because everybody needs that on their Christmas tree. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Green and red, it's the perfect time of year it's for slashers. Yeah. Just have a tree Black and throw Christmas. some fake blood on it. Black Christmas, man. <laughs> classic, classic movie. If you've never seen it, go and watch I have Black Christmas. <gasps> that's tragic. There are many horror movies that I haven't seen. And it's because I'm a very, <laughs> I'm a scaredy cat. So uh, when, mm-hmm. when I want to watch a horror movie, I'm the kind of person that I have to have someone to like hold on to. And at this point in my life, I don't have anyone taking applications. <laughs> um, I have so a cat. <laughs> and a Deadpool plushie. I would plushie. take a dog. I would do a dog. Right. I could do that. My cat's gotten kind of used to me. Like, just, it doesn't even have to be a horror film. Because horror films, I'm far too desensitized to be oh scared yeah, by them I'm now. Sure. Uh, although, uh, there's one coming out this Friday. Uh that heredity heredity oh that hereditary. looks so yeah. good that it's supposed to so be that's the thing is i want to watch them like i i see the trailer and i'm just like oh this looks amazing like i love that storyline <laughs> idea oh yeah but then watching it by myself and then living in an apartment by myself yeah. is it, not a good thing for me <laughs> what well, it's supposed to be i've had some friends who've been to screenings already who are, who are again legit horror fans yeah. like me it takes a lot to to yep. kind of Rattle, rattle us and they were like no that movie was fucked up man that okay. movie fucked me up and that's 
that's pretty. Is it like a psychological thriller then? Yeah. Or? Okay. Uh, at least my understanding of it is. Um, I'll also say uh, the uh, uh, trailer for the remake of Suspiria just dropped. Ooh. Which again, that's Wait, Suspiria. That's a that's Dario a, Argento. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's. I mean, the original is is such. It's so distinct and it's so interesting and so vivid, and. I was real suspicious when I heard they were making it, as I am mm-hmm. with most horror remakes. Oh, yeah. But the trailer for this, I'm sold. I'm in. Wow. I'm 100% in. It's it, Well, and Tilda Swinton's in it, so like, oh, yeah. I was in anyway because yep. of that. But it, it looks like it's kind of, it's not trying to copy Argento. It's not trying to be Argento. But you... Because you couldn't be. You can't He's be. so specific. No. But it's it's taking... The spirit of him, yeah, and creating something new that looks. Who directed it? Do you uh, know? It's a. I want to say it was. Oh God, or what's I'll his name? I would say now. look it up because I'm gonna butcher his name and I'm gonna feel real bad about it. I was gonna it. say I feel like the, and fully correct me if I'm wrong here, just in I terms will. of visuals. <laughs> uh, I feel like the the heir to Argento's kind of artistic ideals would be Guillermo del Toro in terms of how he uses color and visuals and um, kind of that. But uh, uh, yes and no. I mean, um, Guillermo del Toro looks at uh, he uses color. I'd say very differently, but because okay. Argento makes full use of, and this was you know you had Technicolor in the seventies, and and so mm, blood true. has never looked so red as it yeah. does in an Argento movie, and that was part of just what they were. Which I think is kind of what um um um, um it was his name was right there. God damn it. <laughs> I don't Sweeney think that was Todd. his name. Oh, oh, Burton. Tim Burton, Tom- but not, not that. But mm. just like how mm. red the blood was in that yeah, movie. No, yes. I think it was definitely in contrast to the darkness. To, yeah, of it was a callback to that time. Well, uh, the director of the new Suspiria is Luca Guadagnino. Mm-hmm. Guadagnino. <laughs> God, it has been way too long since I've taken Italian diction. Guadagnino. Well, then you know. Well, and I think that Italian sensibility, I mean, you look it at like... It says that Argento uh, co-wrote it. Well, he he, so he, he wrote the original <laughs> script, yeah. so taking that script yeah. and... Well, and Argento's done some really interesting things with music. I mean, uh, those of you who have kept up with Argento and watched the later movies in his career, <laughs> my apologies. I say this with greatest of affection for Dario Argento, but his the past, like, I don't know, two decades... Is he still alive and, he and making film? For better or worse. <laughs> Although his Dracula is one of the best worst things you will ever see in your life. Um, it's oh no, it's 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 got like Rutger Hauer in it, who I think doesn't even know what movie he's in. He looks like he's fair. <laughs> no, I mean like he walks around all the time and you're like, oh honey, you look like you came straight from the nursing home and you're oh. not really sure what's going on. Like you feel so almost a, bad. A bit like watching our golden pond. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Except he's playing the uh, the doctor that you know who's trying Van to Helsing? find. Dra- yeah, he's trying. Oh, he's God. playing Van Helsing. Um, at one point, there's a giant like praying mantis, which is some of the worst CGI you'll ever seen. Why? I. D- I mean, we live tweeted that movie a couple years ago, and it's if you need a movie to for a bad movie night, it is brilliant. Mm-hmm. But it's. You look at something like that. You look at his his Phantom of the Opera, which again, uh, uh, I j- my takeaway from Phantom of the Opera was the Phantom wasn't scarred. First of all, he w- he was raised by rats, like like you do, Wait, like what? you are. Yeah, he was raised by rats. <laughs> it's a thing. But then at <laughs> one point, he's putting rats down his pants. And oh, that's fun. Around there, I was like, 
Oh. I might be done with this movie. Okay. <laughs> if it wasn't for the fact I don't turn movies off when I, at least horror films, when I start them, I'm in them till the bitter end. I, there's a handful of movies. That's when you pull out Twitter and you're just like, what yeah. the fuck is happening? I'm going to live tweet the rest of this. I need to because I first watched it when I was in high school mm-hmm. with a, a girlfriend of mine. We, I was obsessed with Sam of the Opera when I was a kid. It was one of my first yeah. music. I was like seven or eight. Someone bought me the CD. Oh, it's a, it's a very... It's a very mm, sexy musical. It's yeah. a very it pulls you in, even though it's not the best or the best written. But it's very it's, accessible too. Yes, it's absolutely. a great gateway to musical theater when you're younger because as long you as you don't say it's an actual opera because it's not. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it's um. Although but I'm it, surprised no one's actually written an operatic version of Phantom of the Opera. Yeah, so am I. Although there's been a number of, I mean, a number of the movie versions that so incorporate a lot versions. of opera. Yes. Into them, but not a, not an original opera. Although it would be no, well, a beautiful pastiche. Yeah. Well, because uh, they do. I mean, Faust is part of the, yep. and so there's been a number of the films that have incorporated a lot of the music of Faust into mm-hmm. it. But but then you get Gounod, and it's just not as dramatic as you'd no. want *Fan of the Opera* Oops. to be. Well, and there's actually a version. Well, so I just live tweeted on uh, Sunday, Fan of the Paradise, which if you've never seen, mm-hmm. it is required viewing. It's early Brian De Palma film. Okay. Brian De Palma, before he did Carrie, this was 19, okay. I want to say 1970. I've also never seen Carrie. <gasps> I'm making you a list. <laughs> making you a list, girl. Please do. Uh, and that's not, Carrie's not one that, like, like again, I have my Deadpool plushie that I will cuddle with. Like, yeah, you don't need a human for Carrie. Okay, um, it's not. It's the, see, it's not scary. It's, it's in hit a or miss for me, which is why I tend to just stay away from them until I know I can handle it. Um, because like movies like it didn't affect me yeah. because Tim Curry. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's just never gonna. It's never gonna hit home with me because I'm just gonna laugh the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> my first Tim Curry movie was Muppet Treasure Island, and it Aww. got better from there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, it's adorable. Or like uh, one of my favorite movies of all time is the first Saw movie. Yeah. And it's because my brain can latch on to the incredible storyline that they wrote mm-hmm. and the twist at the end. And Go- it goes downhill after that. Well, we don't watch any of the other <laughs> Saw movies. But um, so it, it's very hit or miss with me in terms of what's going to like trigger me and make me not be able to sleep for the next six months. Right. And like, what's going to just intrigue me and get me excited and get you well so one of my specialties has been because i very strongly believe there is a horror film for every person mm-hmm. saw well and, and <laughs> <laughs> That's mine. not one i'd recommend to everyone no very but, true um i think people who say who make that blanket statement i hate horror films i'm like but do you you might hate slasher films yep. you might hate gore you mm-hmm. might be freaked out by ghosts but the horror genre is is very massive it's massive and so people say i hate horror and i'm like did you like jaws like oh yeah jaws is a great movie and i'm like "Hmm, that's technically a horror movie that is a a horror movie it's a well it's a monster movie yeah it's an well an animal horror is a is a whole other subgenre but um (laughs) i do love pet cemetery but that's for a different reason well and stephen king stephen king at this point is his own subgenre yeah but taking what scares you what's going to disturb you where your boundaries are and then finding films to match Mm -hmm. i think um we because we all like to be scared in some way yeah oh yeah it's cathartic if we didn't then no one would be into true crime right and (laughs) and true crime to me is the socially acceptable 
horror fan. Like yes. it's it is it, for whatever reason, and it's something uh, you know. It, I it drives me a little crazy with my my father. I love my father. I love my father so much, but uh, he likes to say about me. At some point, we took a left turn with you. <laughs> I'm like, mm, you raised me Catholic, man. You raised <laughs> you raised me in a religion where you're eating the body of Christ, you're drinking his blood, and he raises from the dead three days later. And there's a Holy Ghost impregnating people. I mean, yeah. come on. You really think I did this? <laughs> like, but um, but he doesn't under he's he's starting to come around. Yeah. To my love of horror, partially because um, I'm taught we're having a lot of conversations about it, but. Yeah. Uh, he used to never really understand what the appeal was, and yet he loves the CSI shows. He loves Criminal Minds, which personally I think is one of the most fucked up shows on television. I can only watch maybe half of an episode at a time before I, I have to turn it off it's, and walk away. It's, it's rough. rough. It's also – it's extremely brutal towards women. Yeah. Uh, in a way that's – I mean, I, I think later seasons have gotten a little better because people have been I like I, – I don't think they – I don't – they're not glamorizing I think it's a very, it as much. Yeah, they're not glamorizing yeah. it as much anymore. It's not a, a poorly made show. I think no. that's I think that's why it's rough for me to watch it, yeah. is it's so well made and very well acted, and the stories are relatively well conceived. And and vivid. Yeah. And I it's funny because again It's too real. <laughs> horror doesn't scare me. Mm-hmm. Criminal Minds to me is is real. Yep. It's and I, I'm a woman who lives by herself, yep. who walks home from Pioneer Square regularly. Mm-hmm. It's it's you know one of the reasons I like living in an apartment and always have is that I live on the ninth floor of a building. Yep. No one's getting in my window. There's yep. no fire escapes. And the only way in or out is my front door. Yep. So there is a security in that of knowing like there is only one way in or out. Yeah. And so most likely no one's breaking in. Mm-hmm. And I watch a show like Criminal Minds. And it and makes you see me see how people still could get in. And yeah. Still could, yeah, and I'm checking my closet. I'm my no one can fit under my bed, but I'm looking under my bed. Oh yeah, and it's it's very very real in a way that I find off putting. Yep. But it, it doesn't mean I'll, I'll watch an episodes. I'll, I'll tune in because again I like the characters. I I don't dislike the stories, but if I want to be scared, that's what I watch. Yeah. Absolutely. Whereas I'm not afraid Jason Voorhees is going to break into my apartment and come mm. at me with a machete because it's not real. It's real. Not real. <laughs> and there's a very fine line for me, a very fine distinction. It's the same yeah. way most paranormal movies don't scare me because I watched them and I was like, that's not how it exactly. works. Exactly. Paranormal activity didn't no. phase me in a second because I was like, they wouldn't do that. No. A demon wouldn't do that. A ghost wouldn't do that. It's not how it works. They wouldn't pull her off screen to kill her. They'd do it on screen to make you make it affect you. Like, you, yeah. <laughs> you start just analyzing it instead of seeing it for what it is and then... Well, and even the ones <sighs> that are... Coffee delivery service. Thank you. <laughs> that is service. <laughs> it's <a> full service. <laughs> Uh, even the ones that are, quote unquote, based around true stories, based around true, yeah, they're they're so highly fictionalized for the most part. I mean, Amityville Horror. Well, Amityville Horror. There's a whole That's other. That's a whole other, <laughs> whole other monster, literally. The, the movie <laughs> is is. I mean, even back before it was well known to be a hoax. Yeah. The movie is still a, a very highly fictionalized version. Yeah. The Conjuring movies sensationalized. Both of those yeah. highly sensationalized, and the Warrens are highly sensationalized mm-hmm. in it. Um, but we, you know, 
scary things have been around for as long as we've told stories. You look back at the Greeks, you look back at the Romans, and they had their own monsters they talked about. You have the oh, Bacchae, yeah. you have all these, you have Shakespeare where you've got Titus and Macbeth and witches. And oh, yeah. It's it's not a new thing. Mm-mm. You Grand Guignol Theater, the theater of horror in France, like... We like to be scared because it's a way for us to process our own fears. Yes. And I think a lot of it also reminds us of our own humanity. Like, oh, yeah. I think that's why we like true crime is it reminds mm-hmm. us that it, at least in my brain, it, it reminds me to keep doing things that I love and to yeah. keep like pushing forward because you never know when something random like that's going to happen. So you got to keep living. Um, I don't, It's such a human human desire to hear of that kind of thing. Well, and also looking at what drives a person to that point. Yes. Oh, my God, yes. Because that's something I find really fascinating, both in, uh, you know, standalone crimes Mm -hmm. and serial crimes and mass murders. What makes a person get to this point? And you have your crimes of passion, um... You have, I mean, the uh, particularly tragic stories with with parents killing their own children. Yeah. But again, there's something's happening there. Yeah. And and I think it's also an examination of of in some cases mental illness mm-hmm. and mental illness and treatment the in this psyche country. And the human psyche. Human uh, psyche. I l- recently I've started realizing that I love. This is gonna sound really weird, but I'll mm. explain it. <laughs> I love listening to interviews with known psychopaths. Oh yeah. Not because I I relate at all to it, but because you you're able to hear an interview with someone who's giving you facts mm-hmm. with no emotional intent. Yeah. Like there's no bias in it. They're just telling you how things are, mm-hmm. and that's the only time from any human being you will ever hear an unemotional, unbiased statement. Yeah. And it's so fascinating. Yeah, a lot of the stuff is really rough to listen to. Right. But it's so fascinating hearing that, hearing people with that ability speak. Yeah. And yeah, there are there are people who are psychopaths who are fully functional in society who right. aren't evil and aren't going crazy. Um, they're still studying why that is. Mm-hmm. Um, so we won't <laughs> conjecture about that here because <laughs> I don't know all of that. Um, but it's just, it's so fascinating to me to be able to hear pure fact. Yeah. Um, like I was listening to Sword and Scale the other day, mm-hmm. yesterday actually, um, and it was an episode about these four teenagers that just picked a random house uh, in upstate New York, walked in, killed a woman and her child, yeah. or tried to kill the child, and then left. Yeah. Stole a couple things and left. Um, and they, <laughs> sorry, trigger warning. Hmm. Um, useful now. Um, but they were, they played a section of the interview with the the ringleader, mm-hmm. and it was just pure, this is what I did, this is how long it took. This is what happened. This is what I heard. This is what I saw. This is what was going on in my brain. Hmm. But no emotional attachment to it all, which, yeah, at the outset, it seems really creepy and, f- and frightening to someone who, especially like me, who is very empathetic. Right. But once you get past that initial, like, what the heck kind of human are you? It's you stand back and you're like, oh, wait, this is going to be the most accurate helpful testimony right. that they're ever going to get 
because this person wants to tell you exactly what happened and isn't worried about any kind of bias. Well, and something that I've been reading a lot on recently, partially because I want to propose it for a panel for next year's Crypticon, even Ooh. though that's yeah. we've got we've got a while, but I mean, may as well start now. Is uh, well, because I I did. Um, a bunch of true crime panels this year. I did uh, serial killers, female serial killers. Uh, I did a, a focus on a, a specific case, the uh, Jeremy Bamber case in the UK, which mm -hmm. is fascinating. If you're not familiar with it, I recommend looking it up. Yeah, I will. Um, and uh, one of the things when I was doing some of my research I kept coming across were these instances of not serial killing, but children who commit some horrific crimes, and the reason it's not serial killing is because most of them are caught after one because they're yep. kids. And I mean, yeah, those are so there's some real weird child oh, killers out there. Yeah, and some messed up. I mean, you have like the Slenderman girls. Speaking of which, I was going to bring up that movie that's coming out. Oh I'm, yes. I don't know if it's necessarily going to be the best movie, but I'm excited because oh, it, it looks like they're taking the whole thought form idea yeah. and running with it. Oh my god. Mm -hmm. That one I probably will go see just because there's a a web series called um it's like Marble Hornets and they they spun off into the full movie but I find the web series much more compelling and it's tons of these these videos of uh of this guy who was looking for Slenderman huh. and it's it's so simple and and there's a narrative that happens over the course of all these episodes and some of the episodes are only a few minutes long, yeah. but it's 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 so simple because again it, it is weirdly real, hmm. and um, and it's you know it's a modern boogeyman. It's yeah. it's the latest. Yeah, if you don't know who Slenderman is, you can. He's very easy to find online. Yeah. He was creepy um, Created in two thousand nine, actually. I think it was was it Lore that just did an episode about Slenderman. It might I have been. I think so. Yeah. Uh, but he's created in 2009 as part of a contest for who could create the best new boogeyman. Like, boogeyman, <laughs> basically. Yeah. Um, and like, oh no, it wasn't uh, lore. It was um, paranormal podcast with Jim Harold. Oh, okay. okay. Um, and he brought in an expert on Slenderman mm -hmm. who just like wrote a whole book about it. Which you have to love that it was created not even like 10 years ago, yeah. but it's it's, it's already so ingrained in our culture yep. that we have experts on it. <laughs> well, I think. And it was it wasn't so much experts on he wasn't an, I mean he was an expert on Slenderman right like the the mythos as well right. but it was they were mostly talking about how that kind of thing becomes ingrained in a right. culture and um, why certain things appeal to people so quickly like the idea of someone in a suit yeah because we have that we've got image the men in black all over too, the place yeah it comes yeah. from that men in black thing and someone without a face is yeah. everywhere in all of our oh yeah literature and you can and also like superimpose whatever you want on it yep absolutely yeah. so it's it was someone who was a brilliant author mm -hmm. i don't know if they actually are an author but they should be someone with a brilliant mind who understood certain things that already kind of like a um Stephen Moffat type, oh, yeah. something that's already kind of in the culture that you can mm -hmm. take and twist just enough that it and play in, on the fears. intrigues people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but uh, uh, so you have like the Slenderman girls, the the two. I mm. mean, my God, what were they when they first committed the crime? They were like twelve. Yeah, I think they were eleven or twelve. They yeah. were very young. They were so young, and you watch. There's a, a great documentary that HBO did about it, and you you watch interviews with these girls shortly after 
they committed the crimes and they're children. And they're they full, children. they know what they were doing too. It's not that they were like the uh, the excuse you hear a lot with with children who do that kind of thing is um that oh they don't understand the permanence of death and they don't understand what they're doing. But then you listen to the interviews and <sighs> a lot of these kids at least to a certain extent, fully understand that, I, yeah, the person's gone. I disagree to an extent, only because it's not that they don't understand death. It's that developmentally, at that age, there are mm-hmm. things that have just not That's true. Formed. It's one of the reasons why, even as horrific as some of these crimes are, trying a child, especially a child that young as an adult, is not doing them a service because you're also one of the girls too is severely mentally ill i mean she has it's already in her family and like you get you watch stuff with her and she really believed that doing this would keep the slender man from you know coming and taking them or whatever um sorry i'm trying to find there's a there was a child serial killer that they talked about on my favorite murder. Was it the or was Mary Bell? Is a yeah, really, yeah. That, oh, it was that one. She's fascinating. Yeah. And talk about controversial treatment because she was again she was very mm-hmm. young. She was like ten or something when she when she committed her crimes. And the uh, and they're not allowed to treat anyone this way anymore because again. It was it was like the guy that treated her was just like when he was also just like yelling at her and doing yeah. all these very well, intense. Well, I mean, to be fair, he was probably a little frightened himself. Not to say that he should have been doing those things, mm. but you look at a kid who's done that kind of stuff and is well, unapologetic about it. You're going to be a little frightened. <laughs> it was I mean, it was the, the, the manner of the treatment, which, again, w- wouldn't fly today, but it was a very extreme method. But that being said, she lives a normal life right now. She uh, didn't they change her name and like uh, no one knows who she is. Really probably. <laughs> I mean, I've seen interviews with her. I, I read some interviews with her later in her life. And I mean, she lives again. She lives a normal life. She is, quote unquote, cured. Interesting. Um, And you have those those two boys in the I want to say it was the UK who basically came across a toddler. Yep. And yeah, from the mall and yeah, took they, them and they and did an episode of Bones based oh, around that. It was, ooh, it was and again, it's rough. it's it's so rough. And you're definitely gonna put a little bit of a trigger warning <laughs> on the the episode guide. We're ta- we're talking about some dark things, but it's <laughs> you know they they both of them because in the UK you don't go to at that age especially you're not you don't go to life in prison. You're mm. you go to to juvenile facilities or mental hospitals, and the um, the boys were released mm-hmm. when they hit of age and i think one of them i think has been doing okay the other one i believe has been arrested a few times for various petty well, offenses fun. but it's he's the one too where you're like oh uh, <laughs> yeah we was probably the ringleader and the the uh, one who well and you're like you're probably a serial killer you're yeah. probably on your way to being one or we're on your way to being one and, yeah. and there's enough attention on you now you may not because even though your identity because is because it would be too hard to yeah it it but it it's that's something i find interesting about youth offenders is that you look at a lot of of serial killers and there are big neon signs when they're younger that something's up with them (laughs) and at least now there's some level of intervention that we can yeah because we recognize some of these signs yeah but for a lot of uh, well, I, I think Dahmer's a really great example. Like, um, and the again, 
I'm throwing a lot of movie titles and documentary titles out there right now, but my friend Dahmer. I still uh, need to see it. It's fantastic. It's, and it, it, it's something that I will, I understand the criticism of, of a lot of these movies about killers because. The it, seem, it seems to romanticize the killer it, themselves. It does. Uh, and if, if you're looking for, there's, I, I'm reading right now, uh, Lost Girls, which is a really fantastic book about the Long Island serial killer, the Craigslist killer. And mm. one of the reasons why it's so good is the focus is on the victims. Yeah. Uh, and so you're getting their life stories. You're getting what le- leads them to the point where they then become victims of these yeah. horrific killings. Um, but going back to Dahmer, I, I understand the criticism. I don't disagree with it. However, I feel like we need... I. It, we're looking for something to understand. We're looking yeah. for... <laughs> And and movies like that where you're you're getting accounts from people who knew him from friends he had. Yeah, we need to see what happened. We want yeah. to know why. We want a reason to that too. Yeah. yeah, we want to be able to point at something. Even if and that say, reason is there is no reason. Yeah, like we want we want that pinpoint because we want to understand on yeah. some level. And does that end up sometimes romanticizing them? I think it does, but I I also don't think. I don't think empathy is always a bad thing, even towards yeah, people who've done some horrific things. There are some people who have no remorse, who have no... Uh, but at the same time, they're still human, and you still have still to human. understand them as a human, not necessarily... Not allowing them or excusing them. No. But understanding them and saying that they are worth at least a certain amount of understanding simply because of their humanness. Yeah. And I find, I find, Dahmer, I find to be just a really sad one. Oh, it's a, an extremely sad one. We, we kind of talked about it a little bit in the very first episode. Yeah. Of just, you can tell he was a person that remove all sociopathy, remove yeah. all psychopathy. He was just a person who was very lonely, who didn't understand how love worked. Yeah. And wanted someone to love. In a horrific, horrific way. Yes. But that I, he, there's a difference, again, there's a difference for me at least between someone like him and someone like Bundy. Yeah. Who relished in the crime, the power, yeah. the... He got off on the on the act. He was, yes, he you know, a, a sexual... Uh, there was a sexual component to it for him that... Versus Dahmer, who was... There was a different kind of sexual component for him, but... He was using it to get to a certain end as opposed to enjoying the whole process. Yeah, and and I mean, I I don't want this to come across as me being like, (laughs) he wasn't that bad a guy. No, no, no. Because that's not the case at all. At all. Um, And again, I'm a fan of uh, putting more focus on the victims victims and telling their stories because Especially with Dahmer's victims, like I don't mm. think I can think of a single name of any of them, because and a lot of them were. He targeted mostly a lot of people who didn't speak English, uh-huh. and who, and that's part of the tragedy is that a number of times there was intervention by cops, but but nothing was done because they were either, well, in in Dahmer's cases because they were all gay boys, gay and boys. in that time cops didn't care, and and gay boys who didn't really speak a lot of English. Yep. And Dahmer was a white man who said, "Oh yep. no, this is my boyfriend," and we were getting a little rough. Ha ha ha. Yep. Or cases where they were sex workers, like the Green yeah. River Killer. Oh God. Where it takes a long time for someone to say something because yeah. cops are just like, "Well, well not not no? demonizing everyone." 
just saying that that has been a trend yeah. in a lot of cases throughout and, history. And still can be. Like, mm-hmm. I, the reading this book on the Long Island serial killer, and I knew about the case because I, I went to school at Hofstra University, which is on Long Island. Okay. I mean, like, the beaches they talk about, I've been to all of them, and I've hung out with my friends there. And Rockaway Beach. Yeah, and, and when uh, the case first started, when it first got attention, I was still living in New York then, um, and it was a big fucking deal Mm because this was a brand new serial killer but uh i could not have told you the names of any of the victims yeah other than i think i knew the one i knew the most about was the the woman whose disappearance prompted it all who wasn't actually then a victim of the the killer uh but it was the search for her that but yeah you know that ended up turning up all the evidence yeah the deaths span from the 90s through the 2000s and one of the uh, saddest parts for me so far is um, this woman who worked as a sex worker, mm-hmm. and uh, when she didn't return, her sister started calling around and contacting the cops and says, my sister has disappeared. And the cops didn't take her seriously. She's like, she's a grown woman and she's a sex worker. She's just doing her own thing. And it took them an appalling amount of time to get involved. It took them, I believe, a couple weeks. But there was a moment when um, someone called the sister from the cell phone of the victim, and she picks it up and says, Michelle, thinking mm-hmm. it's her sister. And the person on the other line just says, this isn't Michelle. Oh, God. I would not be able to handle that. And But despite this, the police still drag their... When it's like, my God, somebody's yeah. calling me. Someone's taunting me. Yeah. And they're still dragging their feet, getting involved. And that's when, that's when you know that justice has fully failed <laughs> in a situation. When, and sex workers shouldn't be afraid. Well, you look at, I mean, tying this in currently, too, you have, you have people in states not wanting to report sexual assaults because yep. they're illegal immigrants. Yep. And they can't go to the police. They're not, they're not reporting crimes that are happening, but yep. particularly sexual assaults. And that is appalling. That is a, we are failing people if that's what's happening. Yeah. And where are we if we are not protecting every single person in this country? Yeah. No one should be afraid of committing, a, of, of, of reporting a crime. No one should be afraid of, of retribution against themselves for com- reporting a crime, be it a sex worker, be it someone who's here illegally. I should yeah. never be afraid to go and say this thing happened. Yeah, absolutely. And... I'm afraid that I won't be taken seriously or I'll get arrested m- for myself. Like, that is absolutely appalling and and disgusting, and everyone should be appalled by that. Yeah. And that's my high horse and my rant. I'm sorry. I feel <laughs> no, very strongly absolutely. about these things, No, it's, it's very true. Um, along those same lines, and actually tying back into horror movies and, and mm-hmm. pulling us back up out of <laughs> this, <laughs> out of of this full-triggered depth, <laughs> um, is the, the Paul Bateson. This is a happy episode. Paul Bateson and those murders because that one I mean I don't know if I would say it's I don't want to say it's like near and dear to my heart but I have a a vested interest in that specific story Mm -hmm. simply because if you don't know who Paul Bateson was he was a serial killer in the 1970s 60s to 70s 60s to 70s yeah who murdered I'm not going to get the number right Mm. At least tens of mm. tens of gay men. Yeah. Um, and the way he would do it was he would go to leather bars and he would go yeah. to these 
divier, seedier gay bars in New York, pick some up, take them home, and kill them. Yeah. Um, under the pretense that they were just going to have rough sex, it would get a little too rough and they would die. Right. Um, and the only reason he was caught was because he did it to a very famous journalist. Mm-hmm. Um, and the journalist was found dead, and then they started investigating it. But up until then, no one the police didn't care. Um, to the point where when um, they finally started researching it, they pulled out the manila envelope. It was a single manila envelope that had all of the information they had on it. Mm-hmm. And all that was written on the envelope was fag in a bag. And it was because he would chop them up, put them in a bag, and throw them in the river. And all of these bags of human parts were just coming up on the shore. And that's all the police thought about it was it was just, oh, it was another fag in a bag. Hmm. Um, And the reason why that ties into our previous conversation is because it's one of the fun Easter eggs. (laughs) I guess you could call it an Easter egg (laughs) in The Exorcist. Right. Um, Because Paul Bateson Mm -hmm. is an extra in the scene where uh, Reagan goes in and gets her head checked yeah. at the hospital. Yeah. He's the one running the, um, what machine is it? The um, the CAT scan machine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, it was, yeah. It's, a, it's a very odd case. And it's a very, it took a very long time for them, for anyone to research it, yeah. which is really unfortunate. Um but there are a lot of there are a lot of organizations out there right now who are working to make sure some of these cases are now starting to get seen. Yeah. Um, and be acknowledged. And, and be acknowledged, be, and mm-hmm. the victims are are being named as much as we can name Their them. Their stories are being told. <coughs> so that's the good thing that's coming out of it at this point. Yeah. Um, I know there's a, even a there's a. I'm gonna cut that because I have no idea <laughs> what the name of the organization was. I was gonna. There was one that I was thinking of, and then I couldn't. <laughs> brain Google? is not Google? quite there yet. <laughs> no, there's there's one in Canada that's um, specifically researching mm. Indigenous. Women's I was going to say crimes. yeah, because 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 they've been because Canada failed for a while on that front. <laughs> not saying the U.S. is any better. No, but Canada. That's one of Canada's like yeah. sweep it under the rugs mo- rug moments. The deaths of. I mean, the, it w- what would what it was it called? The highway dozen, of yeah, the the highway. I don't know, like it was highways. like the highway of tears or something. Yeah, like highway of tears, highway of death, some kind of. I mean, again, horrific. Hundreds of women horrific. who just were gone. Uh, and because and no they were cared. indigenous women, yep. yeah. <coughs> um, well, and uh, it's there is a reason that most, not all, most serial killers. Not, uh, say maybe I shouldn't say most. A lo- <laughs> I, you shouldn't generalize sweeping with serial. generalizations. No, and I shouldn't because, uh, particularly with serial killers, there's a lot of sweeping generalizations that are not true. Yeah. Uh, so I, let me rephrase this. Not most. Um, there have been a number of of cases, dating back to, I mean, as early as we started keeping records about killers. Uh, there is a reason a lot of killers target the people they do hello jack the ripper yeah and the reason why jack the ripper got the ripper is such a fun one to conjecture about oh oh, because there's so much talk about a (laughs) shit show man yeah um almost as bad as jean benet uh, but jack the ripper targeted prostitutes yep and sex workers sex workers and 
if it was not for the fact that you had this huge rise in journalism at the time, mm-hmm. would we have heard about these stories? Probably not. Probably not. You look back at, and I mean, again, we're getting into some highly debated about pieces of history, like yeah. Elizabeth Bathory. Oh, yes. Highly debated about, partially because for years and years and years and years, she was a demon. She Mm -hmm. was this horrific woman who killed hundreds and hundreds of young peasant girls and bathed in their blood. Yeah. And research now tells us that that has been grossly exaggerated, (laughs) possibly to the point of almost none of it being true. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Again, highly debated about. Yeah. Um... The problem was, is that <sighs> she was a woman of power in a time. She's when a woman of power when women were uh-huh. not allowed to or thought highly of to have power. Her her husband's uh, her and her husband were at least accounts of earlier life were not bad people. She was um, very pro women being educated, mm-hmm. uh, and and spent a lot of time trying to further the cause of women. Which is why it's very unusual to me that suddenly this well, thing happens. Yeah. And that's where that's where the debate would come in because then you could start asking questions of things like well, certain diseases were very prevalent back then, like I'm not saying she had syphilis, but mm. there there are things that could cause they someone to, it. Well, and, and it to looks suddenly dive off the deep end. Her, her husband's death is potentially what yeah. did it. But that being said, the people telling these horrific stories, the people making the accusations, yeah. were the people who were going to inherit her lands and estates yeah. if she went away. Well, and it also, also almost makes you wonder if a lot of what was going on was actually her husband's doing, and then it got blamed yeah. on her later. No, he was away at war, so it okay. wasn't. <laughs> I mean, uh, it's well, always a question I like to ask in that kind of a situation of, was it actually the man in the relationship that was doing the terrible things that then blamed well, the woman what, for it? What's funny? What's funny? <laughs> hmm. So there's been a number of t- <laughs> Sorry, this is one of my jams. <laughs> um, I do true crime. There's been a number of cases with pairs, with male-female pairs. Mm-hmm. And this is something where... I mean, I, I, I can't blame the women for playing off their weaker sexual, but um, <laughs> they were definitely just as involved in the crime oh, yeah. or were the instigators. And yet they played the, oh, no, I'm just a little woman. I was going along what with the big bad man that wanted. Yeah. And they get out of any sort of severe punishment. Well, There's a um, Canadian couple that. I was just going to uh, say the girl in a box. Well, oh, I'm not even thinking them. I'm thinking oh. the woman who her and her uh, fiance. Um raped and murdered a bunch of women including her sister and she yes. yeah and she presented the sister as like this is my gift to you i do remember that because someone because they filmed that one didn't they like yeah, that so. couple filmed a lot of their stuff too and she was oh, in, she God, went to jail for a bad. couple years <laughs> and she's currently out married with kids mm-hmm. and was volunteering in fact because there was a big to do not too long ago because it was found out she was volunteering and her daughter's PTSA and was in the classroom. Oh, that's fun. Because her name's different. And this is a woman who she was just as involved, if not the instigator. Yeah. But she played this, I'm, I, oh, it wasn't me. It was the big bad man. And I, I mean, again, kudos to her because people are going to believe it. Here's the question I need to ask really quickly. Are those, are those, 
alleged answers or was that what came out in the because I don't know. Is that what came out in the court case? What came? I mean, the thing was, is she got immunity to well, not immunity. She got a, a, a greatly reduced sentence. She served, I don't know, maybe 10 years in prison okay. uh, in or, to testify against him. And okay. um, but and this is that's, something that's, that's the question a I lot. sometimes like to make sure that is asked yeah. because we don't want to get like <laughs> we don't want anyone's lawyer to call us up and be like, we would like to file a slander lawsuit <laughs> against you. <laughs> so there, cause I, there's a difference between I'm not explaining to you. I'm explaining right. to the audience. There's a difference between um, allegations right. and facts. And that's why even though you may be. 90% certain someone committed right. crime before the court case has ended, right. you have to say alleged killer or alleged crime or things like that. She made a deal. Yeah. So uh, her involvement was never... Out of the question. Out of the question. It was the level of her involvement that is Got in it. debate. And that is still something that is debated. Yeah. There is a <laughs> lot of evidence that points to her being much more highly involved. There were yeah. things that came out, but... Um, uh, it's uh, uh, it can be a convenient thing sometimes to play that. Well, we were talking about this before we started recording. Uh, a really interesting example for me is Linda Hazard. Linda Hazard, something of a local legend. Who she, I know nothing about because I'm a terrible satellite. <laughs> she's a fascinating, fascinating woman. Uh, she was um, a a quote unquote doctor. Okay who came here early 1900s with her husband, Sam Hazard. Uh, she was not a medical doctor, but an obscure Washington state law allowed longtime practitioners of alternative medicine, which she was, mm. to be granted the title of doctor. And she treated people by fasting. So she believed that uh, disease, headaches, anything, was caused by impurities in the body, and if you fasted it would flush all those impurities out and yes people still do this shit <coughs> um <laughs> so she had a sanitarium of good health in olala washington called wilderness heights the locals called it starvation heights yeah there's a great oh, book heard of called starvation heights, starvation heights. There yes it is. Uh, there's greg, my greg olson i want to say is the author of the book that sounds familiar and yeah. it's it's a fantastic fantastic book uh, if you are interested at all in true crime, if you're interested in anything Washington State true crime history, this is a amazing case that I'm always shocked has not gotten the attention it sort of deserves. Mm. Uh, outside of local, I mean, again, yeah, yeah. a local lot of locals legend. know it, but it is such a fascinating piece of history. But this is a woman who um, s literally starved people to death, but convinced them... They were doing it that they were doing it for their own health. And when when she went on trial finally for the for the death of uh, uh, a, a young British heiress who had her and her sister, Claire and Dorothea, they had received treatment. Claire died. Um, uh, Dorothea, when she was released, was like 60 pounds. And there's pictures of oh it. And it's insanely disturbing to see pictures of yeah. her. She went to jail for like two years. But during the trial, the headlines were not, you know, horrific crimes from a doctor who's starving her patients. The headlines were woman doctor kills another woman doctor on trial. 
woman doctor, woman doctor, woman doctor. And, and you so could see me rolling my eyes right now. <laughs> but she was she used that as part of her defense then. Oh, I'm sure. And the spin was they're you know the only reason I'm on trial is because they're anti-woman. Yep. And. Hey, I mean, if they're going to feed you the apple, may as well I, like, I can't, <laughs> make a pie out of it. <laughs> I, I can't blame these people for, I can't blame these women for being like, all right, well, look at Lizzie Borden. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You want to say, like, a woman's not now, capable of doing this? a fun case. Okay. Oh, my God. The more I learn mm. about that case, the more I'm just like, ooh, I wish I could have known her. She <laughs> took an axe and gave her mother 40 wax, and when she saw what she had done, she gave her father 41. Well, and... The, no, the fun really. thing about that is I always, for some reason in my mind, I heard that and I thought she was like a little kid when she did it. Because <laughs> that's like the illustrations time. that yeah. are like. Oh, no, she was she in was her, in her like 40s. 40s. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of the speculation now is that it's more along the lines of, I think there are a couple, there are like two, and you probably know so much more than this, so <laughs> I don't know why I'm the one explaining this. Um, but from what I remember hearing about it, there are kind of two main theories as to why it happened and mm. what happened right that there was there was an uncle that also lived with them that mm-hmm. stood to inherit a lot of money from her father who actually did yes. it and then blamed her mm-hmm. and then there's the theory that she was having an affair with the maid i believe she was definitely and the mother found out stepmother the stepmother it found was not out her mother they killed her and then the father heard what was happening and so they killed him to to cover it up so the father thing. most likely is it, there's mm, so um because of the way they found the bodies yeah uh, he didn't hear anything okay um there was no signs of struggle interesting well, that's, the one, the weird. mom was like taking a nap. So stepmom, excuse mm, me. Okay. So like she, you know, and you whack someone with a hatchet, that's gonna do knock things. Knock them out pretty fast. It's gonna knock them out pretty fast. <laughs> and each one was hit about a dozen times each. Yeah, yeah, I've um, seen those pictures. They're they're rough. oh, they're Don't, they're do rough. Do not Google Lizzie Borden unless you are prepared. Unless to see you're them. ready, because they have crime scene photos and and they are everywhere. You can also see recreations of um, yep. the skulls and how uh-huh. caved in they were. And that's That's it. a house I would love to spend some time in. Oh, it's fascinating. Have it's you been there? Uh-huh. Oh, I'm so jealous. Oh, my God. It's, uh, but, um, that's where you look at, like, crime of passion kind of thing. I mean, mm-hmm. their skulls were caved in. There you was did a not lot of, need there to give them. There was a lot of anger there. You didn't need that, to give them a dozen wax. That wasn't even necessarily, that, it may have. It may have started out as a plan, but it quickly turned there away was, from that. <laughs> well, and, and Lizzie Borden, by most accounts now, was most likely a lesbian. Yeah. Didn't um, she move in? Oh, yeah. With I, her la- later in life, she, she had. She moved I mean, in with her lover later yeah. in life, and she was quite wealthy. She wasn't that wealthy. Uh, but she, it, it is, it is, that's, that's a not really in dispute. Well in dispute off. thing. Yeah. Um, but uh, she was a she was a daddy's girl. Mm. Her and her father were incredibly close, and she had a lot of resentment for her stepmother, who she never yeah. got along with. Um, and there was a whole thing with uh, she had birds, and her father killed her birds like a I don't know a week Oof. before he died. Interesting. There, there's a lot of signs to me that point to her being the one that yeah, did it. Yeah, as opposed to the uncle. As opposed to the uncle. Um, there's some stuff that doesn't, and, and I don't know. I don't there's know. There's a, 
there's a series that on YouTube that I like. Mm -hmm. uh, it's the BuzzFeed Blue, mm. the Unsolved series. Yeah, yeah. I don't give BuzzFeed a lot of credit for <laughs> most things. Right. Just putting that out there. It's kind of like citing Wikipedia. In a right. <laughs> this is a legitimate source. Yeah. But it's a it's a good kind of jumping off point. Right. Um, and they Unsolved did a Lizzie Borden episode. And but what I like about it is they they went through each theory mm -hmm. um, and talked through the how each theory would have fit into the um, police files right. from the time. Right. Down to they have like an animation of where each person was supposedly standing mm. in the house and like moving around. I haven't and that seen kind this. I'm going to have to check oh, it yeah, out. It's really good. It's really interesting. Um, obviously, it doesn't give every detail. Right. Because it's like a I think it's maybe at most a 20 minute video. Right. Um, but it was, it's, it's fascinating. That's what I like about that show is right. with each case they give, they propose every theory. They don't right. tell you this is what happened or this is what we think happened. Cause we yeah, don't at the know. end they might be like, this is the one that I kind of like. This seems the like. most likely. Yeah. Yeah. Or this is the one that seems sexy to me. So I'm going to go with that one. Right. And they're pretty clear about this is my opinion. This is my opinion. Issue. But they do present all of the theories, which is really cool. One and one of the fun things with Lizzie Borden specifically is that given how brutal the crimes were, one of the common thoughts is if it was her that did it, she would have had to have been naked. Interesting. Yeah, because it would have been all over her clothing. Yeah. You you I mean, I don't recommend you try this at home, folks, as an experiment, but <laughs> please don't. In please fact, don't. please don't. We are not telling we are not <laughs> endorsing murder. No, but I'm saying if you want to take a watermelon and hit it with a hatchet a dozen <laughs> times, you're gonna get a fairly yeah. reasonable idea of what's going to happen. Um, you're, I'm sorry, you can't hit someone to someone's in the head with a hatchet a dozen times each and not get in coated in blood. Yeah. Watch Dexter. It Watch happens. Gallagher. Watch, <laughs> yes, exactly. American Psycho, whatever. Um, <laughs> but uh, what's what I find interesting with a lot of cold cases and, and cases like Ripper, cases like mm -hmm. Lizzie Borden, is that in all likelihood, we will, what, Zodiac's another yeah. one, we will never probably know. And unless there's some real compelling piece of evidence that says, well, we don't know for sure, but yeah. this is pretty much, yeah. I, I find it I find it very hard for the, the people that come out and they're like, no, this is exactly 100% what happened. I'm like, but yeah. you, we don't. We don't know, and that's yeah. okay. Yeah. It is okay to not know. And it's what turns these things into legend and allows us to, and lore. to collectively, as a society, kind of come up with these things that end up right. may not being true, may not be, be what's true, right. but may also help teach us a lesson about our society as a whole. Yeah. And therefore, the, the failed court case can then still help right. the rest of us. So there are actually two questions that come to mind that mm -hmm. I want to ask you specifically. Okay. Now that we've kind of, we're on this track. Because I was, I always love talking to you because there are like four directions <laughs> any conversation can go at any time. Um, so Renaissance weirdo. Two things that I want to get your take on. The first one I'm going to, this one I'm going to start with because it goes along with um, female serial killers, right. female murderers. Um, I often hear the statistic that it's more with female killers mm -hmm. It's more common that they kill via poison or something that's much more intimate like that. Um, but when you, especially even the cases that we've been talking about today, right. none of those were <laughs> were that. They're all horrifyingly violent and like 
like Lizzie Borden, Lizzie like Borden? Mary Bell, like mm-hmm. all of these cases. So is that is that statistic one that is actually widely accepted, or is that just kind of a statistic that's spouted to by men who think they're being feminist <laughs> but are actually secretly misogynistic? So first you have to look at um, the difference between serial killers versus... Uh, one-off killers. A one-off killer who... Someone like Mary Bell, who had the potential to be a serial killer. Mm-hmm. It wasn't for the fact that she started when she was like 10, yeah. 10 or 11. And, and so didn't know how to cover it up. No, because she's a, <laughs> cause she's she's a, a fucking child. <laughs> and so, my God, I hope she doesn't know how to cover it up. <laughs> right? Because that, I mean, that's some Damien level <laughs> shit then. <laughs> my favorite fact about her was when they caught her and asked her about it, she just kind of giggled. Oh, yeah, <laughs> she's just like, like oh, my mm-hmm. God. <laughs> or you have like the... Um, uh, I don't like Monday's woman. The one of the oh, yeah, only yeah. one of the only school shooters who was a female. I think she's one of two, and the yeah. the second one was part of a group. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I think you're correct. And she. This was. I want to. It's like the late '70s. I think when mm-hmm. it happened. And my God, this is another case of like. I, I'm in That's no such a way. Sad story. She was so sad, mm-hmm. and her history was so sad. Which almost that specific killing is less in. It seems to me, after listening to the case a couple of right. times from different viewpoints, right. it seems to me it was less that she was a psychopathic killer and more she wanted attention so badly, yeah. and that was the only way she could think of to get that kind of attention. And and a, a large level of, of mental illness involved, yeah. not your traditional... Not that, no, if no, you're no, mental, mentally no, ill, you no, no, there. No, 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 not I like, at I all. Like to, I just like to make sure that In fact, again, saying that. Uh, people who are mentally ill are more likely to become victims of violent crimes yes. than to be perpetrators of it. Um but you you do sometimes see these cases where where people have some untreated issues that, that are then exacerbated by what they're exactly conditions. by certain by abuse by well and she again she was severely <sighs> abused by yeah. her father and uh, it, that did not help yeah <laughs> um, but so and and female serial killers specifically are really really interesting thing to me because. They do follow a very different pattern than than most male serial mm-hmm. killers. Um, there was a uh, the head of the FBI in the '90s who was quoted as saying, "There are no female serial killers," which I think is a load of bullshit. But female serial killers are very, very d- yeah, <laughs> right. I'm looking around trying to figure out where this person came from with that. <laughs> um, white male privilege, probably. I don't know. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, but I think. The thing is, is that... Obviously, hadn't met Eileen Warnos yet. Yeah, well, <laughs> what, no, I mean, this was the 90s, so she was... Uh, she would have definitely... Yeah, I think so, but... I've been out there. Um, if you look at what drives people to kill, what drives serial killers to kill, typically, mm-hmm. there are oftentimes with male serial killers is a sexual component to it. Not yeah. always, but there Very is often, often one. At least with all of the famous ones, I'm I'm quickly rifling through all of the ones in my mind that I can think mm-hmm. of, and every single one of them has a sexual component. A, a, a huge majority of them. Yeah. Um. For for I read a really interesting article that compared male and female serial killers to women are gatherers and men are hunters, and what that means by that is men tend to hunt for victims. Sex workers, uh, Ted Bundy hunted for victims. They go out and find someone. Women, not always, again, yeah. there are huge exceptions yeah, yeah. to this rule, but 
women gather people close to them. They kill lovers, husbands, children. People that they're caring for. People that they're um, caring for. What was her name in uh, Sacramento who oh. ran the old folks' home? Yeah. And that's a really common thing mm-hmm. amongst female serial killers. And as a result, particularly in the turn of the century, they could get away with it for longer. Because yeah. you, you have these male serial killers, you have the rippers who, you yeah. know, kill, but in very sensational ways, and who kill because a handful they, of people. They like the attention. They like the attention. You have women who slowly and methodically killed <laughs> dozens and dozens of people. And it's, oh, it's my husband, and he had a bad heart. Mm-hmm. Oh, my child died because they were sickly. Mm-hmm. Oh, I was caring for this old folk, and they died, because that's what old folks do. Mm-hmm. And, and I forgot to report the yeah. report them to the Social Security office. And <laughs> in a lot of cases, though, you have women who start killing because there is a... They need the money. Mm-hmm. They need security. They need something. But y- you have the woman like um, Belle Gunness, who's again. Oh my God. Fascinating. Fascinating Part woman. Part of me absolutely loves her and wishes I could have met her, and the other half is really glad I never did. One, well, and, and she's one who, you know, she gathered, but there was. She also she took people apart. Yeah. And she liked it. Yeah. She would kill people by poison. She'd well, kill she people by. She she almost rides that line between hunting and gathering because she put out those ads and like she was very much looking for people who could give her money that she could off. Yes. Well, and she would also um, she wasn't just waiting for them to she wasn't a spider waiting for them to come into. No, her she put out. Yeah. But she would all, like our, one of her husbands who died because, oh, this, you know, thing fell on their head and crushed their skull in. <laughs> oh, no. That's my favorite excuse she ever used. Yeah. It's like, wait, what? Excuse me? Uh-huh. <laughs> this very heavy thing that was on a shelf but just magically moved off and but bashed his skull in. But people bought it because she was a woman. Yep. And even, I mean, she was a very tall woman. She was a very, sh- like, she not particularly very, attractive, like, but, like, she was a she was like a 200-pound, six-foot-tall. Yeah. She was a fucking sturdy-ass woman. But that was part of her appeal, mm-hmm. too. I mean, Especially she... Especially in that time period in, oh that, yeah. in Indiana. Yeah. Like, people needed someone who could work a farm. But she also killed her children. She killed her... All of them, didn't she? Oh, God. Adopted and otherwise. Yeah. And faked her own death. And burned down multiple buildings for the insurance money. And, and then... Killed multiple lovers. Killed killed somebody to be her burnt-out body in and, the building when she faked her death. And killed not, her children. Her not four only killed children. someone to be her, she took off their heads. She so took that off they their head. <laughs> it's just like, okay. She used to feed people to pigs. Yep. Like, so this is when you look at where you're like, yes, she did. She poisoned a lot of people, but she, there was there was an enjoyment in what yeah. she was doing. She did, she wasn't worried about the squeamish bits. No, she like, again, she had, a, there was a fascination with dismembering some of these people mm-hmm. and taking them apart and just seeing. So, um, y- you know, it, it's almost, I think, doing men and women a disservice to group them into the same category as killers sometimes because the motivations are often so different. Interesting. Uh, but that being said, if you want to look specifically at, at serial killings, mm-hmm. yes, a lot of women have used poison uh, for a very long time. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, going all the way back to like Lucretia Borgia and yeah, and the Greeks, the, and the some Greeks. of the first oh recorded God, yeah. serial killers were a group of women who were poisoning people in Greece. Yeah. Uh, it's and and again, it is not to say there are not more violent forms, but I I find that a lot of the more violent ones done were more. Um, I mean, like your Lizzie Bordens, your mm-hmm. your ones who were more crimes of passion, and again, and let the me tell you, more sensationalized in our culture. Of course, women could be. You talk about a crime of passion with a woman. I mean, <laughs> what was it Lorraine Bobbitt? Like <laughs> you got cutting off. Uh, oh, oh yeah. <laughs> women are very capable of being <laughs> extremely <laughs> brutal. brutal. Yeah. <laughs> We just have less serial killer women who do that. And part of it, too, is because I think women do not necessarily have the desire to showboat the same way. Yeah. They are not necessarily looking to... And not that all male serial killers are either, but... but I see what you're saying in that I think a lot of male serial killers get caught up in the idea of a calling card and get caught up in this... in the. They want the acknowledgement. They the want the acknowledgement. I mean, you look at the the interviews with, with um, Bundy. <laughs> well, with Bundy and with um, co-ed killer. Oh, for money sometimes for, one well, and that's where you have like the Linda Hazards. Where mm-hmm. was she a serial killer? Was she not? She's responsible for the deaths of dozens of people, yeah. but she also she died because when she was in her seventies, she got sick and took her own cure. She starved herself for a few weeks so and she died. Maybe she just thought. That was actually what you were supposed to do. Well, there, w- but there was also a co- like, she like not everyone showed up dead of starvation on her mm. estate, but and and people signed over their estates, they gave her their yeah. valuables, so there was a but there again that's that Lesson financial to security. Anyone, do not sign over do your entire over life your... to any single person. <laughs> she was likened a lot more to a cult leader, but that makes a lot of sense. Uh, but it's it's a really interesting one because there was this this she wanted money she wanted mm-hmm. security but then there was some part of her that also had to have believed in what she was doing yeah um uh, which wi- does sound like a cult leader in that they yeah. eventually the the more you say something as Kool-Aid. being true yeah. yeah literally yeah the mm. more the more you tell other people something is true the more you yourself start mm-hmm. to believe it but um no i there's a big distinction between the acts of a lot of male serial killers and female serial killers. And and motivations are typically different. And again, not to generalize. Um, intelligent levels. Like, yeah. I'm sorry, most male serial killers are not intelligent people. There's a there there's, is this there's the occasional one like like Bundy and oh yeah. the co ed killer who yeah. are like who are very smart. Rocket level and IQs, you, but you most have, of them aren't. No, when you have the people who understand police procedure or who understand or who are involved enough, well, I mean, my God. I mean, God. that's where the co-ed killer did it right, was he yeah. was a policeman and he hung out with policemen, and or well, he and was a policeman at the very beginning. The original but. Night Stalker, I'm sorry, um, uh, oh, yeah, Golden, we'll get, Golden State We'll get killer. there in a second. Okay. I want to talk about that, too. Uh, but um, uh, there is this idea that a lot of these killers are like Hannibal Lecter brilliance mm-hmm. and that is in fact very far from the truth. Yeah. Um they're just oftentimes smart enough again to kill sex workers, to kill people who won't necessarily be missed or yeah. it'll take longer to start an investigation to find yeah. them. Um but uh, I I 
I find that I think again. I I think you have to kind of look at them in different ways. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um. No. And I was also gonna say I. Along those same lines, I almost. Part of me has started to think I'm a little bit crazy, <laughs> like beyond beyond <laughs> the normal amounts of crazy. Um. Be- because I'll crazy? listen to things like when you listen to Eileen Warnos right. speak about what she did. Right. There's a lot in there that makes logical sense. Yeah, especially to her. Especially to her. Mm-hmm. But I mean, yeah, f- later on you get things like she was talking about the government was right. sending sound waves in there to make her brain hurt, which I mean, you never know. You they never might know. have actually been doing. <laughs> um, but her especially early on her reasons for the people that she killed don't seem too far out of the question. Right. Not necessarily that she should have killed them. No. I'm absolutely not defending her. No. But the the more I listen to her, the more I empathize with her right. beginnings and how she got where she got. Versus a lot of male serial killers. There's not a lot of empathy except for people like Dahmer where you're like, Oh, yeah, you had a bad mom. Good job. A lot of us have those. And, <laughs> and no, managed to not <laughs> manage go to do not this kill shit. everyone. Yeah. Because so, you get to that nature versus nurture yeah, thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Versus Eileen Warnos, who, to her dying day, was like, no, these men were trying yeah. to hurt me, and I was defending myself. Yeah. Honestly, doesn't seem too out of right. out of the question. Um. So there's definitely that part of my brain that listens to her and I'm just like, am I going down her path? Because this is making a lot of sense right now. But But at the same time, you don't have to go to the lengths that she went to. And there's also, again, you look at that and you're like, there is some level of delusion. There's some level of... Absolutely. uh, Which is feeding that and making it worse. And, And most people... I mean, I get angry at at things I get pissed about. But being you don't go and kill that person. Right. Like, <laughs> I get frustrated. I get angry. I get afraid being a woman. But I've, I've yet to, <laughs> <coughs> you know, taken, taken out those feelings in a manner that is illegal. Yep. <laughs> I go on podcasts. Instead. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, I just find it interesting that you can listen to like the the Bundy tapes and right. and his cool. logic doesn't really no, hold up at all because he changes his logic to suit oh, who he's talking absolutely. to. Absolutely, and it's that's the fascinating part of him. But like, there's there's no relating to what he's saying, right? Versus even at the very end of her last interview, mm. Eileen Warnos j- looks at the interviewer and says, "You're not going to listen to me." We're not going to come to any kind of agreement. You just want a sensationalized story, so I'm done talking. Yeah. Like, it's this really kind of creepy moment of clarity at the very end, right yeah. before she's sent to the chair, of saying, that's my story. Yeah. And so that's where that's where that kind of line distinction between male and female serial killers is for me, at least in that case, is right. she had full-on reasoning and she stuck with it and it Mm -hmm. was there until her dying day literally well and it's also again looking at the 
Like, she wasn't trying to manipulate the situation no. at all. She was just like, this is how it is. And and I, I hate to say this, but, like, taking the sexual component out. Yeah. Like, again, most, not all, but most female serial killers are not driven by that yeah. sexual compulsion. And the so I think also because of that, the reasonings are a little bit easier to find empathy with. Yeah. Like, it's kind of hard to look at a male serial killer who's like, I just, it makes me hard to strangle a bitch. Uh, it's kind of hard to look at that and be like, yeah, man, I get yeah, that. Yeah, I totally get I that. I totally get that. But a, oh my God. a, a woman relate. who's like, I think these men were attacking me. These men tried to hurt me. These men tried to rape me. Or even a woman in the turn of the century being like, I needed to survive and I yeah. needed money and, and maybe my husband wasn't the nicest guy. And so the first time it happened, I killed him. And then I was like, oh, maybe this is a way I can keep myself alive. Yeah. Not saying that. Not that's saying that it's no correct, but the no. logic is a lot easier to follow and empathize. And, with. and as, yeah, I think as humans, we can look at that reasoning and being like, well, that's fucked up, but I can at least in some level put myself in those shoes. Yeah. Where again, nobody, I, God, I hope nobody's putting themselves in Bundy's shoes and being <sighs> like, are, you know what I want to do? <laughs> <laughs> I want to go do this thing. Let's go to Green Lake. Yay. <laughs> Let's um, strangle someone. Yay. So then the, the next thing that I want to talk about, which mm-hmm. you touched on, which is super exciting. Yes. Um, is the Golden State Killer. Yes. Was finally caught. My God. Yeah. Um, Allegedly. Allegedly, he's we not have gone to, say to We it. have to say it because he's not to gone to tr- Someone has been arrested. Someone has been arrested, yes. and they're who probably did it. <coughs> who pr- most likely did it? They're like ninety percent sure it's him. Allegedly, <laughs> allegedly. Um, and the <laughs> my favorite part of the whole thing was the investigator who figured it out and did a lot of the legwork. Right. Um, who's being very humble about it. Right. Um, is Paul Holes. Mm-hmm. And there was the whole Twitter hashtag hot for holes, <laughs> um, which was started One by my favorite murder. Hashtag ever. It was, it started by, well, it was started by a fan of my favorite murder. Right. And then it kind of went on. It, <laughs> went caught, it caught fire. There was caught fire in the fire. holes. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> hashtag fire in the holes. Uh, <laughs> um, and I actually, they, they had him on an episode of my favorite murder and mm-hmm. got to like talk to him and um, hear about all of that. And beyond the fact that we are now 40 years later and they finally were able to mm. close a cold case. Right. The closing of that cold case led to an, a case in Washington state that was then a cold case that was then solved. Right. Um, and it's leading to a lot of other reopenings across mm-hmm. the nation because we have the new DNA testing abilities. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just wanted to to talk about all of that kind of stuff because it's super exciting. It's it's exciting because this kind of thing doesn't happen. Yeah. This level of a cold case does not get solved. Yeah. I mean... Ever. Uh, I don't think very, it's ever very happened. Rare. Uh, hmm. There's been some, but very rare. Very rare. And I don't know that any of them have been... Dissatisfying. Uh, uh, well, <laughs> because you're looking at because there's still because he was not just a serial killer; he was a serial rapist. Yeah, and he there oh, are and women he was who were for was it thirty years or something? Yeah, it was a very long it time because it started time. with just robberies mm-hmm. and then it progressed rapes. to rapes and then it progressed to him killing people and and, and they started to make connections that th- what they thought were separate 
killers and cases him. and rapists. Well, because and, he changed his body uh, type and he changed his look. And, and he changed his methods. His, and his profession. Yeah. And he moved places. and. But there's women he raped who are still alive. Mm-hmm. And they are finally getting... Well, yeah. there's there's families of some of his victims who were killed who are finally getting a level of closure. Yeah. And that's a miracle. That, yeah. That does not happen. Um, well, I, there was a cold case... Here, I cold case. It was a cold case for like a decade of the uh, the singer that was killed um, in the central district. The uh, oh yeah yeah yeah. yeah. They, I didn't hear that they had. Figured oh yeah, that one years out. ago, years ago. Okay. But um, when she because w- she was strangled and I can't remember if she was raped and murdered. Yeah, it was or down she on was MLK Junior Way, mm-hmm. kind of near where I used to live. And <laughs> um, <laughs> she was walking home from. She was walking I, home from Comet. From Comet. And uh, had her Walkman in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Walkman. And, well, it was the... Yep, that's when that happened. It was the, what, the <laughs> 90s when this yeah. happened. And it was... Oh, maybe a... a Who was... A what band dec- was she playing? It was... Uh, she, her name was uh, Mia... Uh, her last name begins with a Z, and I'm completely I'm blanking it on it. I'm right um, I'm completely blanking, and I feel Mia like Mia Zapata? Asshole. Yes, Mia Zapata. Thank you. Like um, she asshole. was she was the singer for the Gits. Yes, for which is a great punk band in the yes. the nineties. Uh, Nineteen ninety three. Oh, she was twenty seven when she yeah was she was twenty seven and her band was taking off. Just two and a half more months and I'm out of the twenty seven club <laughs> area. I've been out for oh a while, God. so it's fine. Uh, but when it first happened, and I mean, of course, you typically look at people in mm-hmm. your circle because um, that's oftentimes who did it. And it it caused a lot of, uh, I think, sadness and anger because you're suddenly looking at people being like, was it you? Yeah. But they arrested somebody. I mean, again, it was like maybe a decade after the fact. They got some uh, a guy in Florida, and it's, he committed another crime. They got his mm. DNA, realized— Gee, it sounds like Bundy. Yeah, but the DNA matched. Yep. And, and that was a big deal, partially, too, because it was just a random— guy yeah and she was somebody who was in the wrong Which place at the wrong time and that's as i was listening to yesterday i was listening to a pod um, the sword and scale episode right. where yeah. they were talking about how rare it is it is for a murder to happen with no connection with no to connection. either party similar with um uh not exclusively but a lot of rapes are, are and sexual you know. assaults are yep. people you know um and it's it's one of the reasons why they're oftentimes hard to prosecute because well yep. d- date rape uh, yep. uh, that this idea that the only kind of acceptable assault is the nice girl or guy because sexual assaults happen to men too it's yep. just not talked about yeah. as much um, uh, who's viciously attacked and unless you're beaten within an inch of your life and fit a certain profile your case doesn't get attention yep um and that's a whole other thing that yeah. we could talk about for a very long yeah. time which i'm <laughs> not gonna go on that tangent but um but solving cases that many years after the fact it it just it does not happen a lot and no, when it, it does doesn't. happen it's 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 so I, exciting is, is I sounds mean, like a messed up word to use, it's, but it's, it's relief. It's relief. It's, it's a release. It's a collective breath that is yeah. suddenly let go. And I think the 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 hard part about the Golden State Killer case, mm-hmm. 
um, for a lot of people in the the release of it and the the quote unquote excitement the right. s- the realization that this could be finally coming to an end. Um, the bittersweet aspect is the fact that Michelle McNamara, Michelle McNamara. wasn't around to see it, and right. it w- she died like wh- a, year. a year or two ago. Yeah, like two maybe. maybe yeah, two I think now. it was two years now, but she almost almost yeah. got to see it. Um, and Paul Holes talks about how a lot of her work was what yeah. got them there. And the attention that, uh, I mean, uh, I'm not, God, I hate saying this. <laughs> No, because I mean, like, I feel like a dick saying this, but like, Say it. her death brought additional attention to yeah, the case did. and brought additional attention to the book. Absolutely did. And that is not to say it would not have happened, but. Well, it also, I think <sighs> what ended up happening when she passed was the book she was writing and all of her notes ended up passing to other eyes. Yes. yes. And it was, it was the fact that there were more people than looking at yes. all of those notes again and going through everything she had already written and all right. and, and trying to finish that book that just came out yeah and I'm still it's on my to read list I'll probably end up getting the audiobook and <laughs> listening to it as I road trip to New York <laughs> um, but I, I think it, that was part of it was yeah. just getting fresh eyes on the case again yeah um, and the eyes that weren't just an author and weren't just a, an investigator. Mm-hmm. They were, it was a journalist that took over yes. and her husband yes, who um, is a comedian and an actor mm-hmm. um, and getting people who had no connection to the case previously looking at it suddenly and saying, Oh wait, yeah. I see, I see this connection that they didn't see because they were in it too close and taking the platform and being like, Hey, look at this. Yeah, absolutely. Be- because people, read the book people got interested in the case because of the whole situation behind it because of Patton Oswalt and and Uh uh, it's it's one of those things where by the way this is where we tie in the the children's movie connection because Patton Oswalt was the voice of Remy in Ratatouille Uh, that's right (laughs) um and who I'm a a large fan of um but you know you Sometimes a tragic thing can. Yes. It, it brings attention. It it brings awareness, and it, it gets people interested and involved. Mm-hmm. And it's it's horrible, but it at least you look at this and you're like, the the end result that happens. Not that it wouldn't have happened. Yeah. But. Um, well, the. The tough part about this case, there I mean, there are a lot of tough parts. Yeah. One of the tough parts is actually going against a lot of what we just said about male serial killers right. and that he wasn't doing it for attention. There was definitely a serial, there was a sexual component oh, to it. Oh, of course. It, but he, it was, it's almost as if he was doing it because there was some kind of compulsion in his mind and he was smart enough to figure out how to keep from getting caught to the point where he lit he went on and lived a full life and has kids and has a wife and but that's really common too yeah. i mean again green river killer true like you're it is not uncommon to have cool down in fact that's one of the hallmarks of a serial killer is a cool down period and sometimes the cool down period lasts years yeah yeah uh and that's not we also don't know if there's been more recently that we haven't been able to attribute to that him is, yet. That is true, because he was good at Just changing one of the up things, his... Yeah, one, one of the I, things they're looking at right now. I mean, 
again, you have, um, well, that's always the question too with a lot of serial killers is how many of, well, let's look at our quintessential. Let's look at our Bundy. Yeah. Um, we know between 74 and 78, he killed 30, 34 women. There's no way those were his only victims. Oh, no. Hashtag, n- you know, yeah. not not uh, not everyone uh, <laughs> or whatever. Um, it There's no way. He was yeah. too good at it. There's well, too many like that. They're saying with the Golden State Killer yeah. that there's no way that the first one that we know about was his no. first because it's too violent and too calculated at the very beginning. Like there had to have been a practice period. But some of the patterns, some of the ritual involved, it takes a while to mm-hmm. – to figure out and like with Bundy the there's allusions to him killing I mean he alluded to it killing as early as uh, 61 wow an 8 year old girl who disappeared near where he lived and he would have been 14 god and um but we don't know yeah and we probably will never know and you have these you have these killers where there's deaths where like this could have been them it might not have been. We don't know. Mm-hmm. If you're lucky and you catch the person and, and you strike a something? deal with them, yeah. which is, I mean, again, which the is Green one River Killer. That, yeah, and one thing that they're trying to do desperately with the Golden State Killers, mm-hmm. they're trying to get him to make some kind of a deal and they're trying to get him to talk, but he doesn't seem like the one that it's is going to be It's hard when you're that old yeah. because unlike, I mean, someone like Gary Ridgway, he can live for, he'll live for decades potentially. Yep. And... There was incentive for him to talk to escape the death penalty because he, if Washington State right now isn't really doing it, but back when he was caught and convicted, he was caught in the late 90s, sentenced in the early Mm -hmm. 2000s. Um, But someone who's as old as as Golden State, even if he was on death row... Yeah. He'd never make it. He'd oh die no. before then. Oh, yeah. And he still has plenty of years to rot in prison, thank God. Yeah. But allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Um and I mean, not to get too bogged down in that, so let's let's move it in the other direction that's really exciting for me in mm-hmm. terms of that investigation. Right. Is the DNA evidence yeah. and how they're using that. Right. Um, because they got they they found him through familial DNA. Yes. Through his daughter or something like that or granddaughter it was it was like a cousin or something maybe i was it was was, yeah it was so basically what happens is when you send in your dna to Mm -hmm. like 23 and me or one of those companies it's in the fine print Mm -hmm. totally legal don't read which people don't read (laughs) totally legal that once your dna is with those companies the police are able to go in if necessary and look at specific types they aren't looking at everyone no they're just looking at specific things. When that, that machine they, dings. When that machine dings, they're going to take a look at it. Yeah. Doesn't mean one of the things that um, Paul Holes was sure to say, and I'll make sure is repeated, is they're not they're not there to contact you. No. They're not looking at it to check on your background or anything. No. What they're doing is they're just using that to help their their own investigation. Mm-hmm. It's just like if you go in, if they go into a crack house. And they, <laughs> they need information about some other unrelated thing. They're not right. going to talk about that at that moment. Right. That's not the issue. Right. They're, they're looking for specific information. So, yeah. it's n- so don't worry. If you're <laughs> wanting to find out your DNA ancestry, you're not going to get contacted by the police about something. No. Particularly if, I mean, if you're submitting to that once, hoping there's not DNA evidence against you specifically from a crime scene. Yeah. Because then you're just an idiot. Yeah. Just we also, <laughs> right? We also don't know that it was 23andMe. They haven't said which company right. 
they got the and DNA there's a, from. There's That's so totally many. Fine. Now there are a lot of it. them now. Yeah, yeah. Um, just saying that type of yeah. company. Um, but I think it's so exciting because that was also how they caught the person in Washington State. That's yep. also what they're using elsewhere because um, it opened up this new door of realization that we're able to map DNA so much more clearly. Yes. And we have a lot of DNA evidence from these cold cases yeah. that have just been sitting there because they have nothing to compare it to. Yeah. And now we have now we have stuff. an entire register of DNA that we can compare it to. And if you're a person who is innocent of any crimes and you There's send no, in, yeah. then who the fuck cares if the yeah, police exactly. wants to look at it? Because well, then it's like... It wasn't like they were sending in random DNA to get whatever information they right. could. What they were doing was it was a final step yeah. to an investigation they had already pretty much... Yeah. They'd already found him. Right. They just wanted one last... You want to build Puzzle up piece. as much things yep. as possible before you because go everything in. up to that point was circumstantial, yeah. and they needed that last little piece of evidence mm-hmm. that legitimized Particularly everything. Particularly with a case as old as this, yes, uh, you need you need to be sure. Uh-huh. You need to be so fucking sure because if you pull them in on on anything and they and you try a person with without without DNA evidence yeah. or without that kind of strength to the mm-hmm. argument and they get off free, mm-hmm. you can't You're retry. And reasonable doubt means something. It doesn't yes. always on cases, but reasonable doubt does not mean innocence. No, it just means that they needed more information in order to convict. Reasonable doubt means they didn't make the case. They yeah. didn't, They didn't. And, and honestly, we want reasonable doubt because... Yeah, absolutely. We, that's the thing that, I mean, that's not that's doing us much good. That's what keeps innocent till proven <laughs> guilty. <laughs> as much as we as much as we may see evidence in a case and want someone to be guilty that doesn't always mean they are absolutely guilty and unfortunately it, it, you have a lot of people who are probably not guilty where it hasn't meant much either yeah but yeah thank you the innocence project though yes absolutely <laughs> um and then yeah le- i mean let's talk about a couple of those really fast just so we can get them because I know a lot of people who listen to this kind of podcast don't necessarily listen to true crime podcasts. Right, yeah. So there are things like the Innocence mm-hmm. Project. Which is a There's fantastic, fantastic organization. Um, uh, support them. They're doing amazing work. Do you remember the name of the the organization that is um, getting untested rape kits oh, looked at right now? That's uh, what I'm trying to... I was going to say, yeah, I don't know the name off the top of my head, but that's um, another fantastic organization that's doing... I'm I'm gonna look it up right now because it's uh, a really good one. It's it's one that um, end the backlog. Yeah. Yes. Um, <sighs> and they do have a Seattle office, actually, is what it looks like, and Washington, um, the Accountability Project. Yes. Um, look them up because that's if if you're looking for something to donate to and you don't yeah. know a charity that to donate to, that's a very good one. Yes. Because they've been doing a lot of really good work. Yeah. Um, and this is. I think right now very relevant work because you look at there's a lot of cases right now there's a lot of discussion mm-hmm. partially because you've had some very um you've had a lot of attention suddenly shown on I mean serial uh yeah bringing in the fact that maybe and again I'm 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 not making a statement as to whether or not uh Adnan Syed from Serial is guilty or innocent but you look at the trial, you look at the case, and you're like, there were things done here that were not right. Yes. This needs to be rectified. Yeah. He deserves a new trial. 
Yeah. And I think there are a lot of cases there right now. There are so many cases right now that that need to be relooked. That need at. to be relooked at, and in some cases, it's very obvious that there was a huge, huge miscarriage of justice. Even even if the verdict ends up the same, yeah, there there are certain things that need to be examined yes. and need to be offered into evidence that were not originally. And this is an important thing because you might look at this and say this is not something that will ever affect me. But, but it could. It could. <laughs> and no no one ever, especially someone who's wrongly accused, no one ever thinks they're going to be accused of a crime they didn't commit until yeah. it happens. And it, it's something that we should all be outraged by these miscarriages of justice. Yeah. We should be livid. We should be so angry yes. that these things are happening because these are people whose lives are being destroyed. Mm-hmm. And uh, that is that is not right. Yeah. Uh, it's it's and, and when you start to dig into some of these cases, it's appalling. Yeah. It is appalling. And how many I mean, you again, you have a lot of, of people of color who are yeah. unfairly have been convicted of crimes and Yeah. Or are still in jail for are still in jail. For crimes that are no longer a crime. Yes. Such as oh, I don't know, weed dealing. Yes. <laughs> and it this should this should outrage people. Yes. It really should. Uh, and so, it's, again, the organizations that are looking to try to See, bring some yeah. justice. And, and and the justice system is something that affects everyone. Yeah. So we need to and the more to information, the more information that's out there, the more citizens who are involved in this sort of thing. Yes. Um, I'm trying to remember the the journalist that finished Michelle McNamara's book. Oh yeah. Is starting a new program mm-hmm. that brings citizens into the police force yeah. and helps them investigate because there are a lot of us who are very into true crime. Yeah. Which I mean. You can debate back and forth why true crime is suddenly so exciting to us. I but think it's, it's not b- really suddenly. It's just no, the it's resources. Just, yes, the resources the are exploding. Yeah. The internet. And um, and it's easier to hear about these cases than it ever used to yeah. be. And if it, and if you're someone who's interested in that yeah. and actually like researches and is yeah. and is wanting to do more about that, um, it's available. It's available. It's, it's for available, every and I'm trying. I don't. I don't think that program has actually fully started yet. I know right. he's working on it. There are a couple. He's testing it with one police force right now. Um, you can go over to my favorite murder and look yeah. up. I think it's the last couple of episodes. Mm-hmm. Go back a couple episodes and listen to the one with Paul Holes because he's yeah. on that as well. Um, and he talks about that. But there are ways to get involved. Yeah. That don't require political office. There are yes. ways that that. For people like me who are a um, little disenfranchised with the voting <laughs> abilities <laughs> in this country, mm. there are ways to get involved beyond even that. Yeah. Yes, continue doing all of that as well, but there are ways to be involved just as a citizen in your free time volunteering yeah. to research some of these yes. things and working in criminal libraries. and, and um, Well, no, I think just... I think there's a lot of outrage people right now for a lot of different reasons yeah. at the state of our country. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is a way that you can uh, focus that in. Well, I think in general, that's what we need to be doing. Mm-hmm. We Outrage only gets you so far. Yeah. You need to do something with your outrage, and these are, these are ways to do something about it. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Not everyone can 
run for office, but anyone can volunteer with something that is doing something positive in your community. Yes. So find find a cause. And I mean, I'm and going to my soapbox a lot today. No, no, you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> one of the things that I have found to be a solace right now yeah. is while the national state of things and international state of things feels very much out of control and right. very much out of our reach of control. Right. There's a lot you can do within your neighborhoods and within your cities where you are citizens are encouraged to get involved mm-hmm. and those spots are sitting open. There are city council positions that yeah. are almost every city has an open yeah. school board position or open yeah. city council position that just no one is there to fill. Mm-hmm. Or there's one person on the ballot. Or there's one so person on the ballot. Win? Yeah, exactly. There are a lot of people that run unopposed. Yeah. Um, so there are a lot of ways to get involved yeah. at your community level that then will, over time, affect national and international stuff. But it's the, the attitude, I feel like... I mean, our voter turnout is... Uh, appalling. Yeah, especially in midterms. Especially in midterms, especially locally. Mm-hmm. But I have no respect for if you're not being active, if you're not voting, if you're not taking a stance on something, mm-hmm. shut the fuck up. Yep. <laughs> Period. Yeah. Sit down, shut the fuck up. Yeah. And the people are like, well, voting doesn't matter. Fuck you. Yeah. That's the attitude that well, doesn't and, matter. And midterms, midterms are almost more important than. Mm, yes. Um, presidential elections because midterms don't I was just listening to someone talk about this midterms don't have an electoral college correct midterms are much more democratic the people have a whole lot more Mm -hmm. whole lot more power and you have to like especially on the state level if you're change starts yeah yeah um and say what you will about any president ever, right. they only can get through as much as their Congress allows them to. Yep. And so if you're allowing the Senate and House positions to stay where they are, then those things aren't going to change. Ding, 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 ding. Um, and I know for a fact right now there are eight white nationalists running for... Oh, my God. Running for uh, Senate and House in their respective states. And, there's and the they are... Not necessarily winning right now, but they are not losing by much. But they have a platform. But they have a platform. So what's, what's that dude who talks about raping his ex-wife? And oh, Ooh, I don't know. There was the guy. Oh. There's um, one that I just saw a video about the other day who denies the Holocaust throw um, up. and speaks at, at Nazi rallies. And I'm going to throw up. The, the only way to get things to change on a big level is to start at a small level. Yeah. Um, because it's just like losing weight. If you lose a whole bunch of weight real fast, <laughs> it'll come right back. Yep. If you want to lose it, keep it off. You got to take it slow. You got to do it right. You got to change your work. diet. You got to do the work. You got to do the work. Um, and it's the same thing <laughs> with national government. No. Yay. Uh, but you can't just, you can't sit around with a cupcake in your hand being like, I'm so but sick are of my, but like, I, I think yeah, yeah. I get so outraged with people who bitch and bitch and bitch, particularly on Facebook about the state of our country yeah. and do jack shit. Yep. Put your money where your mouth is. Especially it's June. It's pride month. Mm-hmm. Um, Please go out and fucking do something. Yeah. <laughs> Even if it's volunteering for the parade yeah. or volunteering for um, the gay community center in town, mm-hmm. I can 
bet you that every gay community center needs a volunteer right now. Mm-hmm. Um, or if you don't have time, make a donation. Make a donation, absolutely. Make a donation. Um, Give speaking, some money away. Speaking as a drag queen to other drag queens, mm-hmm. we have long stood as political leaders. Yeah. Um, fucking go with that direction. Yeah. Follow your forebearers. Yes. Um, I saw there was a queen on Facebook yesterday who apologized for being political. I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm I'm sorry, what? You're that's our point. Yeah. Look at Marsha P. Johnson. That's what she did. Look at Sylvia Rivera. That's what she did. Yeah. These were trans women of color who also did drag yeah. who were willing to throw the first brick. That's what our job is. Yeah. Um, mostly because we're the most visible to the straight community. So if we're not creating and visibility. accessible in a way that. And accessible in a very strange way. But yeah. um, if we're not using that visibility to create visibility for other people and yeah. create space for other people, then you're doing drag for the wrong reasons. Well, it's people listen to entertainers. Yes. And as we can see from who's our president. But <laughs> could I, I be think used for good and for bad. I think drag queens um were s- and I, kings. I'm and kings. I'm, I'm absolutely yes. I'm absolutely lumping kings in there too. But I I think they've always been um I- even when there were some of the struggles of accepting homosexuality and or accepting what people being who they want to be or whatever, uh, you're you're. I mean, like RuPaul, love mm-hmm. him or her, him, whatever <laughs> position. Well, because yeah, he'll go by both, and yeah. so I don't want to. Uh, but uh, certainly says some things that I don't personally agree with, Insane. and does some things that I don't personally agree with. However, has become Great. is a name. People know well, and who it's RuPaul created is. Created a platform for others who. Yeah maybe are a little bit more progressive or a little bit more, um, this is where I start saying things things. that'll never get me on the show. Um, you can can always, you can always cut what you need. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but I mean, there's, there's a platform now for artists in a way that there hasn't been in the past. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, outside of drag, you have shows like face off and skin wars and, artists in general yeah. who before art hasn't really had visual arts haven't really had this kind of what's the word I'm looking for not really renaissance but like a an, an international platform it's say, been a uh, lot more difficult to get visual art yeah. to an international stage yeah and now we have very quick and dirty ways of <laughs> Of getting to that international mm-hmm. stage, and it's time for us to start using that correctly. Yeah. And one of the ways to do that is things like getting people to raise money for mm-hmm. and the backlog and yeah. um, making sure that people have a voice. Because re- reality TV, love it or hate it, but we it is it is firmly a part of our culture. Yes. It is it it it's not going away. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, reality type things like that have been around since forever just in different in different forms, forms. i mean shakespeare yeah. wrote plays about the royals yeah it was just <laughs> it, it was, was like, his version was like of keeping up with the kardashians yeah, yeah exactly um and i i think one well, even i you know i was reading an interesting article the other day about that was talking about the voice and comparing it to american idol but talking about how uh you haven't had a lot of 
you know, people win it, but they've not gone on to be big yeah. stars. However, it's still because I know I've watched the show I mean, on and off with later seasons of American Idol. Well, exactly, even, yeah. but it's still like I'll still keep. There's uh, there were performers on there I liked where I bought the CD they released yeah. before they went on the show, or or I'll keep an eye open and see oh they released a new single. Yeah. I'm gonna get that and it. It's. It may not be. They may not be Kelly Clarkson level of famous, but it's. It's helping artists make a living, not necessarily as being a great big star, but having a following and having a a platform and and people go and see them. And I I think that uh, reality TV is is bringing awareness to and giving artists a platform who mm-hmm. would never have a platform otherwise, or at least not yeah. without a lot of work and. Not everyone needs to be a star to make a living as absolutely in their in their trade. In fact, think of how many actors on television who make their living as an actor on television. And you have no, no idea who their name. name is. They play a yep. lot of, you know, they play the judge on that one <laughs> show and they play the bus driver on this show and they play a teacher, or the yeah. principal on this other show. You know who the fuck they are. Mm-hmm. You maybe can vaguely recognize them as a bit player you see all the time. Yeah. But they're making a living. Are they famous? Uh-huh. No. Are they making a living? Yeah. And is that what we're all trying to do who are in this industry? Yeah. Yes. Support other artists. Support other artists. It's not about, at least for me, I want to make my living doing the things I love to do. Yes. I'm not looking to be famous because that doesn't happen to most people. Yeah. But I'm looking to be able to sustain myself doing all these weird things I like to do. Yeah. And... Uh, that's helped by podcasts. It's helped by yeah. reality TV. It's helped by the internet and Instagram and for better or worse. Mm-hmm. So if you have a voice, use your voice. That's a really long yes. tirade to basically no, just absolutely. say that. <laughs> and I, um, that's one reason I listen to my favorite murder a lot. Yeah. And I know I keep bringing them up, but it's yeah. because uh, those two have been through a lot in their lives. Yeah. And they both see therapists and they, they're mm-hmm. very open about it and they're very mm-hmm. um, destigmatizing about it and bringing... Um, voice to people who don't have a voice and yes. allowing people to say things without being judged. Yeah. Um, and that's what we need to be doing for each other. Yeah. And those are the people that we need to be supporting is the yeah. people who are allowing those platforms to be created. So even if you may not ag- agree with everything someone says or um, fully support every decision someone makes yes. if they're creating a platform that helps others yeah that those are people that we need to make sure that we're that we're supporting and we need to make sure that we are also doing that in our own lives one i mean i think i think one of the things that's hard now too like people say stupid shit every day oh yeah uh, we say things we shouldn't say hello <laughs> we, well, i mean we miss say things it's but everything is so visible now yeah. that you say one little misstep, you say something slightly wrong, you something you say is taken in the wrong way, or you just say a stupid thing because sometimes we make stupid jokes or we say yep. a dumbass thing. Or you're like human. me and you occasionally like to troll people and just say something yeah. and be like, ha, have fun with that, and yeah. then walk away from Facebook. And it's it's not... <laughs> I think we're also really quick to demonize someone for making yeah. a mistake. Yeah. And uh, that's sad, too, because... We all make mistakes. We all say dumbass shit. Yeah. And when you're someone who's out there and and it's 
I think the second you're like, we have to boycott this thing because of this one thing they said. And they're like, all right, but let's take a step back. <laughs> let's see how they deal with what they said. Yeah. And let's also remember we are all humans. Yep. And that's something that we need to be less judgment with each other. Mm-hmm. We need to, I, I don't know, this is going to be my hippy-dippy shit too, like <laughs> put a little more love and empathy out in the world. Absolutely. With serial killers <laughs> <laughs> or whatever. I mean, and I think that's why kind of pulling it all back in to what we've been talking about. Right. I think that's one reason why true crime has become so exciting to a wider audience. Yes. Um, is because suddenly we're seeing these things where we can be more involved. And yeah. we're seeing these things where it's not just a fiction story in a movie that has this nice little bow wrapped on it at the end and we're good we're seeing life as it is and we're able to take part in it and we're able to actually like see ourselves portrayed in reality or see people that we know portrayed in reality and understand that there are people like us and that we're not alone in this universe when i think that it's a it's a winning moment for humanity like no one is going to look at Allegedly catching a, (laughs) (coughs) please don't sue us, allegedly catching or arresting someone who is a serial killer and rapist and be like, oh, well, that wasn't a good thing that happened. It's, you know, you hear that and you're like, thank goodness, this could still. Yes, this is a winning moment for us as humans after 40 years or whatever. We are maybe bringing some justice to some Mm -hmm. people. And that's something that everyone even people who aren't that into true crime look at that and be like wow yeah that's that's a great thing and um uh, i think it 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 can be summed up in the (laughs) the line from fiddler on the roof um come on throwing random jewish reference in there because i just (laughs) had to and musical theater Um, the the line from l'chaim of when good fortune favors two such men it stands to reason we deserve it too it's a reminder that um, when something like that happens, that it reminds us that people don't always get away with yeah. what we think they're getting away with. And it reminds us that that eventually things come back around. And I think right <laughs> and now... it's comforting. <laughs> well, especially right now, I think there's a lot of... Um, people are just feeling very helpless and defeated yeah. about the state of the world. Uh, like even politics aside, there's just a lot of shit. There's just a lot of shit out there right now. Just a lot right of now. shit. And I mean the the planet's going to pot and mm-hmm. not literally unfortunately. <laughs> well, in some pl- I mean, some hey, places. that's hey, finally hey, it's, it, it finally we're Ooh, we're legalizing it across but, the uh, <laughs> But it there's just there's a lot of There's just a lot out there. Yeah. And it's always been out there, but right now it's more visible than ever. Yeah. So when something good happens or or crimes get solved yeah. or um, someone gets elected to office who we know is actually has a good heart, mm-hmm. um, for instance, Honey Mahogany getting yeah. elected as the Democratic leader in San Francisco. Yeah. Um, and these wins for groups that have been marginalized yes. and groups that have been like finally having representation yes. for the first time and i was i was listening to 
I'm just I listen to a lot of podcasts. I I so uh, I was listening to What the Fuck with Mark Marin. Oh yeah. Um, and okay. I was listening to an old episode where he was able to just sit down and talk with Barack Obama mm. in his garage yeah, on his yeah. podcast. Of just course. the two of them. They shut down the whole street. I was gonna just say so the two of them could have a talk. <laughs> um, and President Obama was talking about how he never got discouraged while he was in office when things wouldn't go his way. Right. Because he understood in the entire breadth of history, progress is never made progressively. No. It's always a step forward, five steps back. A step forward, two steps back. It's it comes in fits and starts. Yeah. So you you have these little battles that you win along the way. Eventually the war will be won. Yeah. But that it the end result is not the be all and end all even though it may seem like it at the moment yeah what's important is understanding that there's a lot of shit yeah and there always will be and and there always will be and daily we can make little nudges forward and celebrate the victories yeah like yesterday it was really frustrating when the supreme court ruling came down that the baker Mm -hmm. was in the right which i don't agree with right but that's only half a step back yeah. That isn't even a step back. No. Um, and it's just because the Supreme Court said it doesn't mean it's always going to be that way because right. a later Supreme Court could overturn that ruling. Mm-hmm. Um, that there's no reason to get discouraged. Right. There's no reason to get bogged down in how depressing all of these serial killers and all of this <laughs> true crime might be because... And, and the state of the world, because progress is always happening, yeah. whether you want it or not. <laughs> it, it just, Kicking things and screaming will always, for some generations, yeah, but yeah. Absolutely. And sometimes some generations just have to uh, leave us uh, <laughs> for certain things to f- be fixed. Yeah, I said it. That's okay. You're welcome. <laughs> not saying everyone in the last generation was terrible, but well, and, certain and ideas, certain ideas are so ingrained in certain yeah. generations that whether or not you're a proponent of it, right. that idea won't fully go away until that generation does. Yeah. And I'm speaking, my generation has oh, yeah. some of those things too. The next generation has some of those things too. Um, I am a millennial. <laughs> we have some issues. We, I mean, not as many as, as the baby boomers maybe, but um, we, we still definitely have our issues. Oh yeah. Um, and then generation, what is it? Generation Y is the one right under me, or Generation Z, whatever. I don't know. I can't, I, I'm a micro generation, so I'm like <laughs> the Tide Pods generation. The Tide Pods generation. Um, oh god. They they have some of their own issues, yeah. but they're also they're also new and exciting in their own way, and they've brought a lot of progress in and of themselves. And then the next generation will, and the next generation will. It's just there's no point in getting. Getting terrified and getting and hiding under your sheets because something didn't go your way. No. Um, and it's not. And you can always get involved. Yes. Always. Because it's it's better to get involved and hide under your sheets because at the yes. end of the day, you need to hide under your sheets for a day. Take the time. Hide under your sheets for yes. a day. Self-care have your moment. Self-care is important. Self-care is very important. But then go out and emerge ready to do battle again. Yes. Especially artists right yes. now. Um, art is always an important, 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 important thing. Um, And when you see sections in history going back to the dawn of time Mm -hmm. where people are the most oppressed, where people are the most 
where where politics are the worst, yeah. where the world is at its most dire moments, mm-hmm. is when art comes up, and and things start changing. Yeah. I mean, you look at the music that came out of the Holocaust that yeah. was being written in concentration camps. Yeah. It's some of the most beautiful music, some of the most haunting music, and taught us some of the most incredible lessons yeah. because of where it came from. Mm-hmm. Not saying the Holocaust should have happened, no. but, but saying that out of that, the artists realized we need to do something to give people that morale boost. We need yes. to start showing people what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, you look at the 70s with the mime troupe and yeah. all of that coming out of San Francisco. And mm-hmm. um, I mean, that was just a continuation of Commedia d- back in the right. 1600s, 1500s um, in Italy. And I mean, that time period may be off right there. I think it's right. No, it sounds about right. Yeah. Sounds about right. Around the time of the the Medici's yeah. and Borgias. Yeah. Um, I heard porn shops. Sorry, not porn Borgias. shops. Borgias. <laughs> Borgias. Oh, not porn shops. Not Damn. porn shops. Th- those are important as well. Those are very important. Um, <laughs> but if you're any kind of an artist, yeah. now's the time to start using it and start yeah. showing it. And um, while you might just be a queen performing in a bar and doing a top 40s number, you never know who's in that audience and yeah. who needed to see what you were doing right then. Yes. Um, one of the greatest lessons I learned in college was from my choir director, and his whole thing was you never know. Oh, very much so. You might just be singing a Christmas carol in a choir at a church at some point. But and it has some, that one person in the audience yeah. needed that song at that moment to go and do something important for their community. Well, and God help me, to loop this back around towards horror films. Perfect. Um I mean, you can say this about all art, mm-hmm. but horror has always reflected what is going on culturally. Yeah. Um, and coming back to it as a coping mechanism, like, don't be afraid to... I mean, and I, and I think with the true crime, with these 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 counterculture things, things that that we used to sort of be ashamed about saying we liked. Mm-hmm. Art is personal. Art means things to different people, and if what helps you out is watching Saw, <laughs> or what what connects with you, or yeah. or feeds your soul, is is watching Texas Chainsaw Massacre or if it's going to the opera yeah it is there is not a right or wrong way Correct. to create something there is not a right or wrong way to enjoy something mm-hmm. okay serial killing that's the wrong way to enjoy life I but, mean yes <laughs> but uh, diversity in enjoyment diversity in tastes um diversity in that that the language of the arts yes. like being able to say things about your culture through yes. different venues and media and mediums. That's the word I was looking mediums. for. Like there, there are a multitude of languages out yeah. there that we can, that we can comment with and through. Yes. Um, and each of us has our own that we're the best at. Yes. Mine just happens to be standing on stage in a dress with a lot of makeup on. Yeah. <laughs> mashing my mouth around to a monologue or something. Yeah. Uh, there's a couple mine are, but <laughs> a lot of them are range from the, the normal to the more macabre. But um, 
it's it's something that like for me finding Crypticon uh, as as a female horror fan growing up, it was something that was was challenging because I would talk about liking horror films and I was judged for it. Yeah, you're you're a nice girl. Why do you like these things? Why do you like something so gross and and vicious? And you should have nicer taste. You should have and it. It's like the there's something that connects with me mm-hmm. and going to Crypticon for the first time and being in this group of people where you all celebrate the same weirdness, you're all getting the same sort of thing out of it and you all understand you have that same vocabulary and it's no one's judging you for what you like. You yeah. found that acceptance and that's important. It's oh, important. Yeah. It uh, is very important. Yeah. Finding finding your family, finding your community finding is a your very community. good thing. And and again, not judging each other's communities. Yes. Unless it's the KKK, in which case judge away. Oh, please judge away. <laughs> judge so harshly. Judge so hard. Don't vote them into office. No. <laughs> um, but if it's if it's death metal or if it's drag or if it's ballet or whatever it yeah. is. That's you're creating something and that's beautiful. Yeah. I'm going on a lot of high horses today. I'm sorry. No, it's totally fine. <laughs> Never apologize. Just... Never. <laughs> that could get me Unless into trouble. Unless you're a white nationalist. Right. Then apologize and go hide in a hole for a while. Mm-hmm. Think about what you did. Think about what you did. <laughs> go in the corner. <laughs> um, well, I think we'll <laughs> I think I I feel note. like we looped around a lot and we 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 got we got that nice little thesis (laughs) statement there at the end so um thank you for listening to yeah but do you have Mm -hmm. places that people can find you Uh, online yes online you can find me on twitter at seattle screams uh or thehorrorhoneys.com uh or my name on facebook but i don't know why you really want to find me on facebook but if you do you can find my name (laughs) on facebook uh yeah same. Um, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter oh at yeah. Vivian underscore Gabor. That's V-I-V-I-E-N underscore G-A-B-O-R. <laughs> um, if you follow me on Twitter, it's just me me replying to a lot of porn stars. It's useless. <laughs> My Instagram is probably the most interesting, um, although it's all selfies. So uh, That's interesting. You can also find us at Yeah But Podcast. Yeah That's but. but with two T's <laughs> on Instagram and Facebook. If I ever update them, give me reasons to update them. Follow me. Come on, people. Um, Also, go ahead and click that subscribe button Mm -hmm. and write us a review. Give us a star rating. Let us know how we're doing. Only if it's good. Just kidding. If it's bad, tell us because then we can fix it. We won't, but tell us. (laughs) And I say we meaning me um, because I have a mouse in my pocket. Don't worry about it. (laughs) 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 Is it named Willard? (laughs) It's an old movie joke. I don't even know what it means, but I love it. Um, Anyway, this has been Yeah But, and we will see you next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to Yeah But with Vivian Gabor. Tune in next week, same place, same time. (laughs) 